So good to see everybody. I am Pastor Gus Rodriguez. I am one of the pastors here. Um, I haven't been around for a little bit on this uh, pulpit, but I am grateful to be back. And uh, I am so honored and awed that I get a chance to share God's word with you today. Amen. We, um, last week, we, we had the privilege of listening uh, to a sermon. I don't know about you, but I took plenty of notes in the front, and I was kind of moved by some of the things, especially the whole idea of this this list that, that, that is my list, right? My, my list of sins, right? And, and if I had to write it, I'll be writing forever, right? And, and then the whole idea of this sinless one, you know, exchanging his list for my list uh, and the beauty of that and the gift that that is for my life personally. But, but one of the things that resonated with me last week was the whole idea that what we um, believe dictates our behaviors, right? Like what we believe dictates our behaviors. And, and this is why it's so important, because you also have to understand that our beliefs have a source. Like if we trace why you're thinking or you're saying or you're acting in a particular way, there, there's a source. We can trace it to a source, right? Sometimes you joke around and you say, follow the money, right? There's, there's a source of, of why you're acting the way you're acting. The Bible talks about our heart being wicked and not being able to be trusted. Ezekiel says that as a prophet, but he also, now in the New Testament, tells us that God is going to give us a new heart, that he's going to restore us, right? Because from the abundance of our hearts, the Bible says that we speak. And what does that mean, right? It means that there are things that you've held on to all your life, right? The hurts, the traumas, the situations that you've experienced, that every now and then when you get poked, if you're not addressing or resolving these things, they come out. They come out, right? Uh, around here, we use terms like keeping short accounts. And I encourage you and your family and your relationship to keep short accounts. What does that mean? That if I did something or I said something that affected you, that you don't let it go till tomorrow. That you don't brush it under the rug. That you don't put it in the back burner and say, ah, I'm not going to deal with that, right? Because what happens is there are straws that break the camel's back. There are things that continue to, and you think it's a small thing, but what happens is it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, and before you know it, you blow up, right? And people are saying, oh, what's wrong with you, right? And then you go through the list of what's wrong with you, and I say, man, how come you didn't say anything? So we have to be mindful that from the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak, and what's going to happen is we're going to offend each other because we hold on to things too long. Can we not do that? Can, can we, I know it's sometimes it's stepping out of our comfort zone because some of us are so um, um, reserved and shy and we don't want to, you know, make waves and, 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 you know, disrupt things. But I have to tell you something. I, I'd rather deal with it at the front end than have to expose it later on, right? Because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good in doing that. So I, I want to keep short accounts, and I, and I practice this in my home. I practice this with the people I lead, the people around me, the people that lead me. I have these conversations, and I'm not going to do it and say, hey, can I talk to you? You know, the other, you said something the other day that just, mm, it nudged at me a little bit. Can you kind of elaborate on it or explain it a little bit more? And they were like, oh, I'm, I didn't mean that, right? But if you let it go, guess what happens up here? <laughs> right? Like, like, what happens up here? Right? You know, the, the, the community between my ears is already writing, writing you off, dismissing you. You've now gone from being a friend to not being a friend. Right? That's all we do is press a button on Facebook. Is that what we do? I don't, I don't have Facebook, but I've heard that I can just 
be not friend to you, right? So I, I want to talk a little bit today about some of those things, not some of those things, but there's one thing that we all do. We all have this in common. And it's, and I'm going to say this as best as I can, right? We all judge one another. In one form or another, we all seem to judge one another. And when we judge someone, what we do is we size them up and we write them off. We size them up and we write them off. We, we determine, we put one another in categories, whether this person is valuable or important to me or this situation, you know, we, we judge. And, and if you're in public office, even more so. We judge one another. Now, where does that come from, right? Like, what's the source of that? What, what, what is it that causes us to do that, right? There's other things that we do as a direct result of judging. We complain, we murmur, we gossip. And when I say we collectively, I'm saying the Christian family. I'm not concerned about what the world does because that's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> Don't be surprised if they do that. But, but those who are in Christ, those who are reading the word, that's why it's so important for you to read the word and study the word and put yourself in environments where you're being held accountable to certain behaviors. So when things happen, I'm like, ooh, where did that come from? Why, what's that happening with that? And it's a direct result of all the stuff that we bring into our relationships. Right? We, you know, we all carry luggage. We come into a relationship, we all carry luggage into that relationship. Emotional luggage, spiritual luggage, financial luggage. Come on now, if you're about to hook up with somebody, you better make sure they ain't got no debt. <laughs> Don't do that. It's like, oh, because your debt is my debt. Uh-uh. <laughs> you got to go through the luggage. Emotionally, you have to go through the luggage. So it's important for us to understand that a lot of the stuff that we do and say is based on our belief system. And we have to be mindful that when we come to Christ, that's why I love songs that talk about, you know, purifying, you know, my heart, cleansing, you know, like renewing my mind. The way I used to think before, I can't think anymore because now I'm a follower of Christ. And if I'm a follower of Christ, then I have to follow his teachings. And guess what he does? He teaches about judging. He, he talks, why would he put it in the Bible? Is it, is it an issue? Of course it's an issue. Of course it's an issue. If you're an adolescent and you don't wear the right uh, garb, if you don't wear the right sneakers, if, if you don't have the right phone, you know, you're, you're judged by your peers. And they size you up and write you off. And it's the same way with adults. It's no different with adults. We, we, we size people up, and you're probably doing it right now with me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, just, I just had that revelation just now. I'm like, oh my God, I'm being judged, <laughs> right? But, but think about that for a moment because we all do this. And Jesus, being who he is, says, I have to address this. I have to be able to speak into this because the reality is what begins to happen in our lives when we do that is, is, is when we begin to judge one another, it diminishes the community that God is trying to establish among us. How else will the world know about his love if it's not demonstrated here? Right? And we quip about it. Sometimes we'll make jokes, you know, about the people in our lives. Like, you know, uh, th that person, you know, can't do that. Like, in my house, uh, I can't cook. <laughs> Nor do I want to try. I've tried a couple of times, and rice is not supposed to feel clumpy. It's not. <laughs> right? 
I mean, the meat, eventually, it's supposed to, you know, be tender and soft, not hard, right? You don't need to drink a glass of water every time you bite the meat, right? But, but, but that's my cooking. So when I cook, I'm judged based on what? There is a standard that I'm being judged by. Guess whose standard I'm being judged by? The best cook in my house is my wife. So when my kids see something that doesn't look like my wife's, they're saying, who cooked this? <laughs> right? So again, I'm saying that we do it all the time. We judge one another. And, and, and again, out there, that's the norm. That's the culture. But now that we've come into the church and we're trying to walk this walk, shouldn't we understand what Jesus is saying about it and how we need to address in our own lives that behavior that is not conducive to what God is trying to do in your life, in our life, and in their lives? The world needs to see what this looks like. What I mean this is what Jesus is teaching us. Amen? So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. If you can stand at this moment as we read God's word, I, I know that, um, again, we do this because we believe the word of God is above everything. We want to honor that as well. And at the same time, it gets you to circulate a little bit. Right? I'm going to read it. It says this. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, if you have your Bibles, um, if you look at this in your scriptures, it's going to be all read because it's Jesus talking. Okay? He says this, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You may be seated. Like this scripture speaks to itself. There's not a lot that I have to do with it, but I want to be able to walk us through something and then take us to another section, because there's one who has a right to judge, yet still does not judge. Amen? So, so we see here right away that he says, judge not that you be not judged. So immediately he's given us this reference point in which to start. He's asking us, he's telling us, he's instructing us, he is teaching us that we shouldn't judge. Right? Simply why? So that you won't be judged. Like you think it's just one way. It isn't just one way. It's if you judge someone, you know, we talk about sowing and reaping. Anybody remember sowing and reaping, right? And sowing is what you put into the ground. As a farmer, we use an agricultural term to talk about this, right? So whatever you put into the ground, you expect to grow, right? So, so you have to be mindful that this whole idea of judging, and so you won't be judged, is if you begin to judge people, don't be shocked when people are judging you. Because it's the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Okay, so he goes on and says this, and he says what? For the judgment that you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use. Again, remember the standard I said about cooking in my home? Like the standard is my wife. She's great. She's excellent. And now dad comes in and gives him green spaghetti. Now, by the way, I was just trying for them to eat healthy because it's spinach. Spinach. Okay? But, in, you know, so, so, 
So, so you have to be mindful. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to be creative, but it was green. And, and the connection they make with green is rhyme, right? So again, I'm talking about the standard that we use, so that's the standard they use, and it's okay because I understand my place in that realm. I am not going to compete with her when it comes to cooking. I'm just not. I'm just like, honey, you cook it, I'll eat it. Right? <laughs> my kids are like, dad, you cook it, we're not eating it. You know? So all of a sudden, it's, it's McDonald's, you know? It's, you know oh. If it's my daughter, it's Uber Eats because she, you know, she just get on her phone and she'll call. So, but getting back to that, it's just this, this. And then he says this. It's so powerful here because it's important to understand because a lot of times we read this and we think that it's a universal. And it is applicable, but this, he says this. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? Now, you have to understand that word brother is significant because he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He wouldn't use that word brother. Again, semantics is a big deal. The word that God is using here is saying brother. He's talking about us in here. He's talking about how we look at each other and how we judge each other and how we... Do you see where I'm going with this? It's so important for us to understand because the world will know about our God through how we behave. We, we become these... Rep- and, and, and you say, man, I'm a horrible representative. So am I. You see, when I allow myself to rule and reign the day, I get in trouble, and I also injure the testimony of God. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to live within me and do what he said he would do, then I shine for the glory of God, because it's not me, it's him. When I walk in obedience, when I walk in submission, when I walk in the belief that I have that he is in control, so me and you got no beef because God's got this situation. So so, so he goes on to say, okay, brothers, (laughs) Do not consider the plank in your... Okay, so there's a speck and, and, there's, and there's a plank, right? So, so, you know, you ever get pink eye? So that's an eye infection, right? You got pink eye in, in, the, in, the, in, in you know, the medical world, but then we got plank eye in the spiritual world, right? Which means that, that you and I, we have this big plank in our eyes, but I'm more focused on the speck in your eye. Now, what does that do? You know what it does? It, it, it takes away the focus from me dealing with my own stuff. It's easier for me to project on you. It's easier. It's easier for me not to deal with my own mess and to address your mess. That makes me feel good. Because guess what I just did? I summed you up, I wrote you off. So then the question begins, and this is the title of this sermon, is it them or is it you? Is it them or is it you? And most of the time, you know what you say? It's them. (laughs) They're the problem. They're the problem. Like, you know, I, I had a, you know, a recent situation which I ran into this, this person. This person was kicking their, their card, and they were like, they were just really frustrated, really agitated. And, I, you know, I just rolled up on them and said, hey, can I help you? And the person was, if there was no people in the world, I'd be okay. And, and I thought about that for a moment. That's a really broad statement. Have you ever said that, right? If you weren't around, I'd be okay. Like, like you know, like, right? And, and I thought about, you know, Tom Hanks, you know, uh, a castaway, and I thought about him all by himself, you know, and how he felt, and, and I am legend, and how he felt about being alone, and I'm like, okay, that's not a good thing. 
So I'm not saying this to myself. And I said, so what's going on? He says, the, the, the source of my problem is the people. If there were no people, I'd be okay. And I said, can I just help you get this to your car? <laughs> you know? Because at this point, you're talking to people. <laughs> right? So, but you, did you ever think about that? Because then I stopped for a moment and I said, I don't think he's ever looked in a mirror. I don't think he's ever looked in a mirror to realize that the problem may not be the people. Because when you look in the mirror, there are no people. There is a person, and that person is you. And you can move and change your zip code all you want, <laughs> but it's still you going with you. So is it them or is it you? You're still not convinced. You're still saying it's them. They're the problem. You know, and, and you have to be mindful. Like, like, I'm not, my wife keeps an immaculate home. And I'm not concerned about socks being on the floor. I've gotten really creative. I stuff them in the sofa now. You know, like, I do these things, right? Just for the sake of, they're clean. I just want to, access for me is a big deal, right? So I make sure I have socks accessible in every room. That's all. But it's a big deal for her. It's a big deal for her. So I'm going back to this thing, is it them or is it you? And I have to understand that as I interact with people, that they may not be the problem. That I may have a belief system that is not conducive to the relationship that we're currently in. Is everybody with me? Yeah. Right? Don't judge me. I'm not done yet. Let me, let me, let me work through this. Okay. So, so again, I, I want you to realize that it's easy for us to look at the speck in someone else's eye because it relieves us from dealing with our stuff. It's easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look at you and blame you for everything. Yeah, I'm, it's your fault. We got lost, it's your fault. Forget about the fact that I don't like taking instructions, but we got lost, it's your fault. Guys, everybody, like, like, like what guy loves the instructions when they're driving? Like nobody. Nobody. I said, I got a GPS. My wife is like, don't listen to her. She's going to take you to the wrong place. I'm trying to explain to her. It's got satellite and all this stuff. And true story, one day I punched the GPS. I was driving to Washington. I get there. The place I'm supposed to get to, there's a hole in the ground. She told me, I told you not to listen to her. <laughs> The address is still there, but the building wasn't, right? So, so just keep it in mind. Listen to me, please. It's so important. Your heart has stuff in there that you have to work through. If you don't do it, people are always going to be the problem. You're not going to address you. And, and so Jesus speaks into this and says, listen, why don't you take care of the plank in your own eye? He goes on to say... How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? Now I've gone even further. I want to help you with your problem. Right? I want to be God for you, small g. Right? I want to be helpful. I want to be invested. Now watch out what happens with this because now you're trying to help someone that it's not for you to do. I'll say this again. God is working in everybody's life. 
Everybody's life. It's God who's working. If you surrender and submit and you walk in obedience, God is working in your life, right? And, and you have to be mindful that sometimes along the way, because of my stuff, my insecurities, my inadequacies, my need to be an enabler and a caretaker, I'll step into your God moment and interrupt what God is doing for you. So being wise and being aware of how you're moving, that speck may be what that person needs to become a pearl. But here you are quickly trying to remove that speck, right? And the same time you're not focusing on your stuff. He goes on to say, you know the word he uses? It's that big H word in verse 5. Everybody sees it there? What's that word? What's that word? Everybody? Immigrant. Isn't that what they call Christians all the time? Anytime you talk to somebody and say, you're such a hypocrite. Why? Because even the people in the world know how you're supposed to be behaving. And you don't. Or either you refuse to. So the word here that Jesus is using immediately, he says, how dare you? Now, if I had to read this the way it's supposed to read, because it's an exclamation point, it's literally like, you hypocrites. Like, where do you get off doing this? And he goes on to say, first, do what? What's the first thing we have to do? got to focus on you. You're the one standing in the mirror. You're the one with the issue. So you have to focus on you. If you don't focus on you, if you never take care of you, self-care is, is really, really important. Self-care is something you got. I'm not talking about cleaning yourself up. I'm talking about those stuff in your heart that you've been holding on for so long. Right? You know, the, the hurts and the pains. I, 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 do, I do a lot of counseling. And, and one of the things, and, and don't, just so you know, I do a lot of counseling, but I'm in counseling. <laughs> so, all right? Because I, I twitch every now and then, too. You know what I'm saying? So just, so just I'm, I'm, you know, so I just, I want everybody to know this. All right? So everybody's looking, oh, man, you're judging me. No, stop judging me. Right? But, but think about this for a moment. Because in that, there's a lot of times that you sit down with someone and they start going through a list about what the other person's been doing. What the other person's done. Oh, this person's done this, this, this. I have a whole list. Wait a minute. Let me pull out the scroll. This is what they've done. And I say, wow. I think it says somewhere that, that love keeps no records of wrong. It was like, yeah, but I'm, I said, no, no. That's what the word says. Now, either you live by the word or you don't live by the word. Right? And then there's this other aspect that talks about grace and how grace has been dispensed to you. And what is grace? You're guilty, but you were redeemed by the word of God here. Jesus like walks into your life and says, okay, you messed up. Don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. Right? My, I had a conversation with my daughter the other day. She says, dad, I'm going through this. I said, listen, I got you. Don't worry about it. She says, yeah, but I feel uncomfortable. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? God is saying, I got you, and you're saying, no, let me take care of it, God. God is constantly saying, I got you, I'll take care of it. And you say, no, no, I'll take care of it, God. Maybe you can join me in this venture. And God is saying, no, 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 I go before you. I surround you. I provide for you. I protect you. I dwell within you, and you still want to push me out of your life. Jesus is so profound in this because he calls us hypocrites. And he says, what's the first thing you have to do? Is you have to focus on you. And that's, listen to me, that is scary, isn't it? For some of us, it's scary to look in the mirror. For a long time, I didn't look in the mirror. I didn't like what I saw. I didn't, I didn't like what I saw. 
because it wasn't lining up with my life. I would tell people that I loved them, yet did things that demonstrated I didn't love them. Like, I say I love my mom, but I stole from my mom. Does anybody see that? Right, how there's a disconnect between what you're saying and what you're actually doing. And that's a direct result of our value system and our belief system because it dictates our behavior. And Jesus just immediately says, listen, first work on you. And then we'll talk about your brother's spec. I'm not asking you to remove it, but then you can have a conversation because you're dealing with your stuff. And in dealing with your own stuff, God may reveal to you why this person is how they are. Because they're not the problem. Your perception, your reaction is the problem. The problem is how you react to other people on a regular basis. That guy that jumps in front of you while you're driving, he's probably got an emergency. I don't know. So your road rage doesn't respond to what's going on. Like, like I drive now and my daughter says, you're so passive. I said, I'm going to get home at this time I always get home. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think she wants to be a race car driver because she's always cutting in and out of lanes. And I'm saying, hey, can we just, can we just chill here? There's <laughs> only two lanes, <laughs> right? So, so you're back to the same place. But I'm, I'm just saying that there, there are behaviors now in my life that are not what I used to be before. I'm not chasing you down in my car and, and taking out the tire iron and busting your windshield. Right? How dare you cut me off? And then you bust the windshield and they got babies in the backseat that are crying. See, it has a lot to do with who you're becoming in Christ. And this is what Jesus is teaching us because it's really, you have to understand what he's trying to do here. Now, I'm going to fast forward to John chapter 8, verse 1 and 11. It's not going to be on the screen. It just came to me late last night, and I didn't want to burden Liz by putting it up. But I want to read this story, and, and I want you to see that there is one who has a right to judge us, but yet doesn't. And if anyone we're going to model, it has to be him. Amen? Amen? So in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, NIV, it says this. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. This is Jesus they're talking about. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. This is the scenario. You guys have probably heard this over and over again, but I want to kind of expound on it to give you a different perspective about what's going on here. Okay? They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the Lord Moses commanded us to stone such women. A little harsh. What is this with stoning people like? By the way, it's still practiced today. Now, what do you say? Again, he's teaching. He's at the, you know, uh, work of his ministry, so there are a lot of people that are showing up, and always says the Pharisees. They're always challenging him to see, to trip him up, to find something that they can blame him for, okay? So, so the Pharisee is doing what with Jesus? They are judging him. They're judging him, right? They're judging him because he's doing some things, and they're starting to question him, why is he doing it? Rather than looking at their own hearts, they're looking at the speck. Amen? So he goes on and says, okay, you know, he goes on to say, teacher, this woman caught in an act of adultery, the law of Moses tells us what to do. It says, now, what do they? So he goes this. The law of Moses commanded us to stone the such woman. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, 
let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus immediately holds up a mirror to their face and says, you who are without sin. Now, were they in sin? Absolutely. This was a setup. This was a trap for this woman. And not only that, but they're talking about the law of Moses and they violate the law of Moses. Look what it says in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. Again, if you're writing it down in your notes, write it down. It's not going to be on the screen. I apologize for that. It's the NIV version. It says this. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, watch this, both the adulterer and the adulteress are put to death. So his comments to them, you who are without sin, even if they didn't talk about the sin they did three days ago, the sin you just did by bringing this woman in violation of the law of Moses, which you brought up as your premise in which I'm going to have to judge her because now you brought her before me. But you are all in sin yourselves. So they're looking at her speck, but not at their plank. It's quick to grab her and then also not only bring her, but also use this to try to trip up Jesus because they're judging him already and they don't like the way he's acting. Now, I'm going to use this lightly. The Bible says that we crawl because we don't get our way. Take that in for a moment. The reason that you like to argue, the reason that you're constantly bickering is because you don't get your way. Now, the last time I checked, as I looked through this room, there are no babies. Nobody's wearing a bib. You're wearing a mask. You're not in diapers. So these infantile behaviors that we exhibit at times speak directly to our insecurities, don't they? Now, you didn't come to church to be psychoanalyzed, did you? <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, guys, that if we don't take a deep dive into God's word, we'll never get better. We'll never get better. Like, I've been working at this 30-something years. And just two days ago, I, I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. And so what beauty about it is today is that I keep short accounts, that I have this repentance, I have a group of people around me that hold me accountable, someone that I can talk to, right? You're as sick as your secrets, the enemy holds on to that and keeps you trapped. So I'm able to express that, man, you know, I, I felt this way and, and I said this and I shouldn't have said that, but I know where it came from. It's come from me not resolving that problem and letting it go, letting, you know, thinking that's going to take care of itself. So they bring this woman again in violation of the law of Moses. You want to go further, you go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. It says this, if a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. So they came to Jesus with a violation of the law of Moses, using the law of Moses as their premise. So he says to them, okay, let me, let's stop all this stuff. Let's stop all this stuff. So my question is, these men that bought her, can they also have been adulterers? We talked about projecting, you putting your stuff on somebody else. Now, mind you, if you understand culture, you realize that in that time of culture, a woman had two choices. She either got married off or she wound up having to survive somehow. And 
and so what happens here is that these people come, and it says here, hypocrites who attack others for their small flaws while ignoring their own massive ones. Those who judge others but do not evaluate themselves, those with major flaws should keep quiet about the flaws of others until their own are dealt with. Jesus speaks into our judgmental behavior. So now what do we do? It's a direct result of this. <laughs> uh, first thing I want to do is I want to be able to look at myself. The Bible tells us that. It says, judge yourself before you judge anyone else. Right? Am I in the right state of mind? Where did that come from? Right? Like, like I, I teach the men regularly, there's a difference between you reacting and you responding. And reacting is simple. It's just impulsive. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say, there's no filter. Right? It's oftentimes when you react, people are like, whoa. <laughs> That's the response they get. But when you respond, you're thinking. You're allowing God to come into that moment. You're kind of, you know, wrestling with the teachings and understanding. Okay, so my response to this is that God is in control. I got no problem with you. How can I resolve this? So I'm looking for ways to reconcile whatever's going on here. But I have to judge myself first, right? The, the, the other thing is, you know, um, holster your weapon. You know, drop your rock. <laughs> like, 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 really, don't, don't, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to have to say something or do something that's going to harm someone. Now, I know this is, this, is, this is rough for us, but here's what I do know, right? I know that there is one in this scene here that can judge, and he chose not to. He chose not to. I know because the scriptures tell me. Look what he goes on to say. He says, but Jesus bent down. He did this. And he says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, he said this and let it like sink in. And here they are with their stones. They all hopped up. You ever heard the mob mentality, right? You know, oh, we're going to kill them. Oh, we're going to hang them. Oh, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, someone stops you and says, yo, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, you're thinking about, what am I doing? And that's what he does. And so what happens is, at this, right, at the people who heard this, began, they began to go away. They began to go away because he realized when he, made, when he held the mirror before them and he told them, I said, you without sin, you know, ca you know cast, cast the first stone. He was like, oh, my God. What did I do yesterday? Like, this guy just spoke into my life. And here I am focusing on what? The speck in someone else's eye. Meanwhile, I'm walking around with this plank. And guys, you know, we do this so often. We, we live in a society that's constantly rating things. You know, we're, we're constantly, who's, who's the number one song on billboards? Like, you know, what's the number one movie? Like, like you know, all these things. Who's the, who's the best team? Like, we're always judging, always rating, always sizing things up and writing things off. And I'm asking us, as a Christian community, that we need to step away from that. Simply because of the first line in the scriptures where it says, you know, you judge, you're going to be judged. <laughs> he says, no, that can't be. It's only a one way. No, it's not. And I got to tell you something. It's hard when someone sizes you up and writes you off. I, you know, I'm a watch guy, and I recently walked into a high-end uh, watch store in, in Soho um, only to, to feel extremely uncomfortable as this person is following me around the store. Now, 
I, I had my urban wear on. If you're not familiar with urban wear, it's black on black and my white kicks. Like, that's what I'm rocking, right? And I walk into this guy's following me, and I, you know, I, and I'm thinking, there's a, why is this guy following me? I'm not that dumb. I know why he's following me. It's the color of my skin. It's a store. He's already sized me up. I don't know what you're doing here. You can't afford to be in here, blah, 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 blah. You know, all that good stuff. Now, I understand it's his stuff, but it doesn't negate how I felt. It doesn't take away about how I felt. And, and when you're in that situation, you feel a type of way unless you have something to hold on to. And what I hold on to is what God says about me. My identity, my validation, my security is found in Christ. See, the old person would have probably popped that guy in the mouth. All right? Because just to remind you, you work security here. You can't afford what's on the shelf either. You know, like I would, I would have gone there. Like I, would, I would have just did this whole strip down kind of thing. But I realized, what's that? That's his issue. That shouldn't be my issue. And, and, and we have to understand, again, as a Christian community, the world is going to act the way they're going to act. But when we act that way, knowing the truth that we know today, like right now, we're all going to leave this room responsible for what we heard. You can't say, oh, I didn't know. Really? Really? You didn't know? We just spoke about this. So again, keeping this in mind, that, that, that Jesus himself has an opportunity to judge, and he doesn't. Jesus, he strained himself out. He asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir, she said. Then he says this, neither do I condemn you. The one who has a right to judge doesn't judge. On the contrary, you know what he does? He loves. You know what he does? He looks at you and he sees you better than you see yourself. And just like that situation reveals something to me about someone else, that's not about me. You need to be secure in who you are based on what the scriptures say about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a jewel. You're beautiful. You're awesome. You're magical. You're unicorns. Right? Like, think about that for a moment. Like, God is awesome. Like, what God says about you is what's, it's what's so important. And you're not going to know this unless you continue to get in God's word. To know what he's done for us, to know what he's, the, the things that he is uh, doing for us and continues to prepare for us. I, I love that scripture that I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will also be one day. Hi guys, this is the journey. This is not the destination. This is the journey. We're sitting in a chair, but we're not staying here. We're going to finish in a few minutes and you've got to go. <laughs> it's the same way in life. We're on a journey, but we're not, as, as Christians, this is just a journey. There is a destination for us, and along the journey, we have to realize that in order to travel, we got to learn to travel lightly. So we got to begin to dump some of our emotional stuff in our, in our, in our era of the God's word and, and, and allowing culture to kind of influence how we react. Listen to me. I'm a big sports fan. I measure every single player by one player. And it's not fair, because that one player has a unique set of skills that not everybody else does. And we have to be mindful that you have a unique thumbprint upon you. And you may do things differently than someone else does. It doesn't give you a right to judge that person. That's the beauty of this community. 
The beauty of this community is that you get an opportunity to be yourself, your best self in Christ. And my responsibility is to accept your best self as you walk in obedience to God's word. You don't have a right to judge me. You don't have a right to judge me. I think this eloquent poet once says, only God can judge me. Figured I'd throw that in there. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, guys, listen to me. God, for, you know, Christ Jesus forgives us. He gives us dignity. He gave dignity to this woman. He calls her a woman. He used the same term that he used with his mother when he was at the cross. Like, like you know, like, this is so amazing in my own personal life, and, and I pray that you just eavesdrop at this moment. God has done so much for me. Like, like, and, and, and I, I cannot begin to even express the, the magnitude of it. All I can say is that I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for life today. Um, and moments and situations like that don't affect me anymore because of Christ in my life. Do I have moments where, where things happen? If anything you'll learn from the pastors in this church is that we're vulnerable. We're open letters. We'll tell you. I'm just as crazy as you are on Monday. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we can. But here's what we're learning, and we continue to learn. We've been doing this for a little while, is that we have to run to Jesus. Because if we stay out too long, we'll miss the Jesus opportunity in our lives. So I want us to be aware that Jesus speaks to us about judging. And he says, you don't have to do that. But you have to understand that what you believe about others, what you believe about God, what you believe about his word, is going to dictate how you behave. And you got to catch that moment where it's your faith driving you or the culture influencing you. It's easy to judge. It takes the focus away from me. And I put it on you. So be aware of that speck and the plank. Be aware of that. And catch yourself and repent and ask God to allow you to see how he sees. And you're all, all fearfully and wonderfully made. You guys are precious to him. He would not have gone to the cross if not. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we close the service. A couple of things that I am aware of, more so today than ever before. And the first thing is that it's not about me. It's not about me. And if you can lock that in for a moment and realize that it's not about you, you'll begin to eliminate a lot of the tantrums that you have. It's about Jesus living through me and for me and arranging things around me. So I have to be sensitive to the Jesus movement in my life. The opportunity that he affords me to not act like God, but to act like him. That's a big deal here in this community, within these four walls. The world needs to know that there's a group of people that despite what happens in their lives, they will worship God. Now, I don't know where you are today. I know where I am today. And I need to praise God and worship God no matter what's going on. 
Because me worrying about things doesn't fix them. What it does is just agitates me and frustrates me and doesn't allow the Jesus movement, the opportunity that he's affording me to be more like Jesus. I'll miss that. If I get caught up in my own stuff. So no matter what goes on in our lives, let's continue to worship him. Let's continue to praise him. Let's continue to invite him into the moments in our lives where we need him the most.